Welcome to Stay in the Loop with Lucy. Now, have you considered how often we hide who we truly are behind a mask of humour? I see this all the time. I certainly did it when I was growing up. It was a strategic manoeuvre to keep myself safe. So I would like to offer a consideration. Does this strategic manoeuvre actually keep ourselves safe? Or does it lock us away to be even more fearful of being ourselves in the world? I ask this question from personal experience as well as as a result of a young man I met a few weeks ago. Allow me to introduce Philip Hills to you. You'll get to know him better when he publishes his book, which he outs here that he's doing. But until then... This is a sneak preview to the process of writing said book when you're trying to capture your entire life and then some. Without further ado, Philip Hills. Welcome, Philip. Philip, you're here today to to share with us a little bit about you and about your life and about um, your life before and after your diagnosis, but also what you've tried to do and how you would like to capture that um, as a as something that doesn't get lost. That's what I feel is re- it, it, that I got from you is you don't want to have wasted a life. How can you maximize that life? Now, with you here today is Melinda, your beautiful wife. Uh, Melinda may or may not join us at different points, but I'm going to leave it to you to um, share as much as you would like to with us about who you are and and where you've come from and where you feel you are now. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you very much, Lucy, for that lovely introduction. I should just, for the interest of full disclosure, uh, tell everybody that I've known Lucy for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, We met at an amazing dinner party where we were all required to be very regal in our appearance. And I rather shamefully stole Lucy's tiara, which I fully confess to. I'm, I'm not going to shift the blame anywhere for, on anybody else. But um, yes, that was our introduction to each other. And you very much, you know, we had a great conversation over the dinner table. And it was it was in the direction of, of what Lucy has described, which is basically I've had a terminal uh, cancer diagnosis and a lot of realizations have, have come to me during that time. It's a relatively um, new uh, diagnosis that I've had to deal with. So I've had a lot of thoughts flooding, you know, my head where there weren't before. So I've really had to, you know, get up to speed fast on, you know, what it means to be the new Philip. And um, it's definitely a new Philip. It's a version 2.0. It's um, it's new and improved. Uh, it, it will probably be the last version, which is which is good. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's hope this one is uh, is is good. Is a, a definite upgrade on the last one. So uh, yeah, there's there's been a few changes to the settings, and um, you know, I'm happy Lucy to talk in detail or not about. What, what you feel or, you know, what you've learned from, you know, who Philip is, because you'll have met the or driven the, the 2.0 version. 
but there was obviously the, the, the earlier version, which was a bit of a blunt instrument. So hopefully I've refined, you know, myself a, a lot in a very short space of time. So, um, yeah, happy to go into detail around any of that. Philip, there is no question that that wicked sense of humour was there all the way through your life, though, right? You you must have been a very cheeky young man. Well, it's interesting because um, one of the ways that I was going to answer one of your questions was, um, you know, how do you feel you've changed? I would rather answer that with the opposite way and say, how, you know, what have you not changed? You know what, what you know what has remained a constant in your life throughout your whole life um and you know that's probably a good jumping off point to say well you know that sort of uh yeah well we in england we would call it uh banter um which is a, a very very colloquial phrase it does it does you know it, it does transcend continents but it's mainly known to english people and mainly males but females have been known to partake in the activity <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know but for me there was always uh growing up there, there, i always had to have the last word you know i just i don't know what it was there was just always i had a witty comeback or I, you know witty to me maybe not to the person i was talking to but certainly i always felt there was just something else i had to say before the conversation ended so you know and that's still you know very ever present in in, in my you know version 2.0 you know as well as my two as my version one so yes you are right you know that always that 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 cheeky side of me is has been there from the start where did it come from that that ah oh, look it it's all in my book <laughs> it's taken me approximately three minutes to get you know, a shameless book book plug in there but no <laughs> I, it's um available from all good bookstores <laughs> will be soon so, yeah. i'm assuming yeah, not on a price yet. not uh, quite finished yet though so <laughs> not quite available in uh, all good bookshops and, and i love the phrase that that we the, that we shared over dinner that night which was you know phil go home and give birth to your book yes. and that's really has resonated with me because I know whilst obviously I've never given birth um I have been around a partner who has and so I know the various stages that that goes through um I wouldn't say the baby is breached um <laughs> but but I've definitely been needing some gas and air from time to time so you know at this stage on I yeah you know where are we up to you know I think we're just having one of those um decisions whether we move from the birthing suite or into the delivery room um you know just to make it a more comfortable uh delivery so yeah I'm near I'm nearly there but you know probably like most artists you know whether they're recording an album or a song or writing a book or uh, doing any number of creative activities, you're never going to be completely satisfied with the result. You know that 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 is the kind of the dichotomy of being or doing something creative is you always feel like there's that there's something that's not quite right. You know, there's and and I'm at that point of crushing self doubt where I'm I'm just you know I read it and I reread it and I'm at that point where you know, I'm really, really comfortable with with where I'm heading with it, but they just I just need to do more. 
of it. And um, yeah, I, I'm 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 really looking forward to the day when I could just hit the off button on the Mac and go right, job done. Mm. It, it's complete. Now, when that is, um, it might be five thousand words from now. It might be ten thousand words. It, you know, it's it's interesting how we kind of get hung up on you know uh book got to be 300 words and you know 300 words translates to x sorry 300 pages um and that translates to x number of words so there's already um you know formats and standards you know that that's coming from the book and i spoke to someone um, a very dear friend of mine and, and Mel's that that said, you know, it's it's not just about finishing the book; it's about what the book is doing for you. So, and that was some really sage advice because, you know, m- maybe I've been too focused on just getting to the end of it. You know, what what if what what if the journey is better than the destination? And I and I feel like that that's kind of where I am with it of course i love to get to the destination it'd be beautiful course but for me you know the journey stopping and smelling the roses uh you you know getting some of these hurts and fears you know up up out of me and onto the page has been just as as liberating to be honest may i ask on that note with some of the stories that you decide to include or not include how do you decide what yeah how do you decide what to include and not yeah, include? What, what makes the cunning room floor yeah. uh well, well can i can i just butting in just I, over to my assistant <laughs> editor uh, <laughs> one thing about the comedy part of philip so the um the sense of humor and and that having to have the last say that was one of the first stories that he wrote in his book about where did that come from? Because in actual fact, Philip was a very shy little little uh, little man, a uh, little boy, I should say. And then, you know, just how how did that come about? And that was a huge, yes, huge thing. Um, yeah. So he wasn't always that person that uh, had to have the 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 show or the you know be the man of the moment, if you like. And and that that's possibly been one of the undercurrents for his life to put on this bravado, put on the, um, you know, look at me, um, get appreciation, you know, um, from from others. And and really that came back to those early, early days with his with his within his family and then with his work, you know, sorry, school mates and things like that. Yeah. Thank you, Mel. That's a good reminder because I've been sort of so lost in the book i've forgotten about some of the very early you know motivations for getting the words up and out and onto the page and and i wrote in one of the very early chapters as mel says that it it feels very strange re-reading a a few of these stories because they are the gregarious feel you know they are the larger than life character the persona that i probably propel you know on purpose um you, you know, I don't think anybody, you know, naturally sets out to just create havoc. <laughs> and I mean that in the nicest possible way, of course. But, you know, as your life unfolds in front of you, you know, do you control it or does it control you? Uh, and and that's one of the things that, you know, as we get through this this um, webcast, 
that you know maybe that we'll we'll get to touch on you know at what point did i become a reflection of my own sort of self rather than feel being so you know rigid and rooted and firm and secure that he was able to control the future you know they're two very different places to come from so yes and as mel says you know i used to be a unbelievably shy child right uh you know i'd be that guy that would just go bright red you know just just like that you know i just my skin would just change color and um you know it used to be a laughing joke at my school you know about how red i would go if um if i got embarrassed or something happened that uh you know it's even somebody else's name that, that wasn't even mine me i wasn't being called but if if my name or if my name not my name as in me but my name came up that's it that would just set me off and then what you know just a little by little along the way my, my confidence grew I sort of shed that shed that skin and just became more and more confident. I guess the problem for me, excuse me, was that I kind of overshot the ramp a little bit and <laughs> went, went, you know, went went completely the other way and sort of found found a way to diffuse the attention on me. Um, and actually deliberately bought the attention, brought the attention on myself. Um, by way of just, you know, joshing around, joshing is probably an English word, sorry, uh, just means joking and um, just generally being a larrikin. Uh, and, and and that helped me deal with that shyness because it was on my terms. You know, it wasn't like someone saying, Phil, you know, go red. It was, okay, I'm going to make the joke. I'm going to be the funny guy in the room. That means any attention that I get is because of my own making. And I was prepared for that. So, you know, that that was a big that was a big learning phase for me. And that's probably what set set in stone Phil's personality and his persona. Uh, does that help answer the question a little bit? Yeah, it, it's extraordinary, Phil, because I can I can see how when you were younger, you used um you used the humor to cover the uncomfortableness. Correct. of particular situations. I mean, heavens, you went into marketing and sales, right? I mean, honestly, the confidence that I see in you now, but it actually what you're epitomizing is that um because I'm not massively a fan of banter, you you touched on why because you said I would have a good laugh. I don't know whether the other person found it very funny, but it would it I thought it was funny and it was playing playing to a room and we know that banter does play to the larger number, right? Sometimes we're on the receiving end of that banter and sometimes we put others on the receiving end of it. But I feel that what you're, what you're sharing in reflection is that there was actually a few wounds under there that you just kind of brush over because it's just a bit too painful to feel that sensitivity, you know, the, the sensitivity that was epitomized by your skin going red. I'm uncomfortable about something here. Your body flushes. Whereas, okay, well, I can't let other people know that I feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to go out there. I'm going to teach my body not to do that. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't mean you didn't feel it. Yeah, brilliantly put. Yeah, better than me. I just disappeared off into a story then. But um, yes, one of those, you know, one of those unbelievably uncomfortable uh, episodes, you know, would have been, and I, I'm not sure 
from a epidemiological is that the first big one? i didn't even practice that that, that, <laughs> just, that just appeared on the tip of my tongue uh and so i don't know why we blush you know i don't know what it physiological. is Ph- physiological <laughs> right okay thank you uh it's not it's not epidemiological no. uh, i said it twice without uh, so yeah it's it's really interesting and it's something i remember that i actually remember the day that i did my first ever um should we say you know um curated joke um and i did it and i delivered it and i got the room you know all at my feet and uh you know it, it all went brilliantly i didn't go red and i just got such an unbelievable feeling of um happiness if that's the right word from it you know it it welled up inside me and i just was a feeling that i liked it was a feeling that i positively embraced reflected on and looked back on it and thought i I can do this you know that that that's something that i i know i can do not that i was not a well-equipped child growing up you know i was good at sport i was good at academic subjects and everything else but um this this particular side of Phil felt unbelievably natural, despite the fact that probably it wasn't it wasn't natural. You know, you can't learn it. It's it's one of those you know, particularly referring back to banter. It's one of those sort of skills that you. It's a skill. I don't know. <laughs> um, it, it's one of those um, particular activities that um, th- you're right. It doesn't leave both parties feeling equal. You know, it's a very, very one-sided duel, if you like, mm-hmm. you know, contest that w- one person, like, I, I it's interesting because there's a bit in my book where I talk about what, what is banter. You know, it's basically, it's just time-wasting. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just adult time-wasting where we should be actually having a proper conversation. We, we should be actually, you know, going a bit deeper into ourselves and learning about, you know, why it's there. But no, you know, being English, no, cover that up. You know, <laughs> we're so, soldier on, you know. we you know, on the surface. Yeah, you know, something coming up. No, get that down. <laughs> get banter on. Uh, get, put, can you put banter on tonight, please? <laughs> um, you know, I don't know why no one's actually done a TV show about it. But mm. it's, yeah, it, it's a really, really important sort of, part of of me that can't go unrecognized because and it, and it's positively reinforcing as well which is the problem because I, you know i don't want to put tickets on myself but if you if you talk to you know any of mel's friends that that have known me since we've been together um that you know those quick quips and and those witty comebacks you, you they kind of say to me, oh, you know, Phil, you know, he's, he's the life of the party, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he's, but for, for me, you know, that's not the real me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it is, you know, obviously it's me saying these things. I haven't got a, I haven't got a cheat sheet or a list in my pocket, but um, it's absolutely not the real me. It's, it's a fake persona of myself that I've created to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've got so good at it that I've come to believe that it is me. Mm. It was it was really interesting in um, when you shared those earlier stories in your book to say my mother to a really good friend of Philip's that he grew up with in Brighton. Um, they both said, "But, but of course, that's you. 
Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, that wittiness is you. Mm-hmm. Um, you put it on. No, no, that's 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 kind of that's to be celebrated, and even to the extent that um, one of one of his friends said, "Oh, that picture that you've done for your book really doesn't fit with who you are." Mm-hmm. So, really, Philip sold that persona so well that to actually reveal that actually that's not him, not the true him, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It yeah, makes it dangerous. It, yeah. it, it sounds like it would feel dangerous if you didn't truly have the confidence in yourself building underneath. It would be dangerous to go there to 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 say, no, this is me. This mm. this truly to have to have that um that strength to say, look, I get that that's who you know. But there are nights where I don't want to go out. There are nights where I just want to sit in and actually not talk. And I don't want to be the funny guy. And I don't want to entertain everybody. I actually would quite like to sit and have a a, a bit of a deeper conversation. And my question would be, Philip, would you say that that part of you came out post-diagnosis or was it coming out before and, and, you know, the diagnosis hastened it? Um, well, look, there's, um, the, I, I think really the, the diagnosis has only been a year old. So whatever you're seeing from Phil now, you know, the version 2.0, uh, it, it's just a, a modification of the original model. I don't think there's, uh, you know, any real, you, you know, major, major changes. Um, they've all just been sort of skin deep, if you like, but it's more just the understanding of why they are there. You know, why do I place, you know, so much importance in 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 my girls and their education? Why do I place so much importance in, you know, them wanting to be good at sports? Why do I place so much importance on, uh, you know, me and my cars, I love cars, you know, I love them like with, like my, as much as my own children and they're in earshot, right? So, <laughs> um, so that there are a few absolutes in my life that, that are there for very strange reasons and I'm not sure why they're there. I think we, we call them standards, you know, in terms of what, you know, I, I consider to be, you know, a, a, you know what my job as a father uh, and my and a role model, you know, what am I here to to instill in my children? And um, not that they have to drive classic cars like me, but you know, the, the, there are if they were boys, they they would most certainly have <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way. There'd be no license available to them if it wasn't a classic car. So you know, I you know what's interesting to me, Lucy, is. You know, how come, you know, heaped upon layer upon layer upon layer, I've, I've built up this massive, you know, amount of criteria to which, you know, those around me have to live by. It, it's it's quite bizarre when, you know, not that I was uh, allowed to grow up, it, you know, sort of wayward and, and wild, but I was, I, you know, I was very, and I wasn't a rebellious kid. You know, I wasn't one of those kids always fighting, and I wasn't always one of those kids always stealing. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't one of those kids. I was rebellious, mm. yes, but I knew my limits, and I knew basic right from wrong. That, and and that was 
down to my parents and and my family around me. They were all, you know, very well-adjusted individuals. So, you know, I had a good, you know, uh, sort of uh, place to anchor myself to in terms of that that part of my life. But then as I grew older, you know, I realised that, that, you know, that, that was still there, but there was a lot of fun to be had elsewhere as well. And, uh, you know, you're right with your earlier comment about, getting into sales and the commercial world, you know, that requires a certain amount of um, courage. Well, courage. Well, it does require quite a bit of A lot of people, you know, are, are too afraid to sort of stand up and speak to an audience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because since the, I've been speaking to a lot of people about the book, um, I, the surprising feedback from a lot of people has been uh, – you know, I'd never had the courage to do this. I'd be too, I'd, you know, I'm too insecure to to, to write the, everything down. I'd, you know, I'd be too worried about what people think about me. And and I, I find that, I, I'm saying this with love and kindness in my heart, you know, I find that such a bizarre thing to say because it really all you're doing is just telling someone, your life stories. So, you know, what makes the cunning room floor or what, you know, what, what, what stays in the book in terms of stories? Really, they're just the ones that I enjoy writing, you know, because there is, there's, there's the, to coin a phrase, you know, there's enough to fill a book. There's enough to fill two books. Uh, <laughs> but there's a, there's a point at which you have to say enough is enough is enough. And so coming back to your original question, what makes it into the book? Um, the, the, Stories that I like, well, the stories that I've always enjoyed telling, but the ones that I now still enjoy writing and I'm not so embarrassed about them that I feel there can be something to be learned from writing them down and actually reflecting on them to get a sense of why did I do that? You know, what 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 was the point? What was the point of doing that, you know, way back when I was whatever age, you know, but also what's the point now of celebrating the story and putting it in the book? You know, they're all questions that you ask yourself. Yeah. And it's it, it's a challenge to answer those questions, honestly. I mean, you get you, you do get better at it because you get more um uh, you get more honest with yourself, really. And you know, M- Mel's heard this some stories. You know, a hundred times, and uh, you know that that you know that they they can they can be good value. But you know, one is I know you know the the book's supposed to be a family show, so you know there's some content that that I you know out of the, the from a moral compass point of view that you know I don't want to be shared. That's sort of something, but also it, there's a bit of a challenge there because. If this book is to really heal me and, uh, you know, get out a lot of the things that, you know, I wish, not that I wish I'd said when I was younger, but, you know, you know how we all kind of, we come out of an argument or we meet someone on the street and then we look back in five minutes and go, oh, damn, I wish I'd said that. You know, obviously we don't because, you know, we don't run back up the road and say to that person, hey, you, you know, yeah, yeah, well, you, I don't like your hair either. But the the book is very much uh, kind of symbolic of that. Things that have happened in my past, I can go back and sort of re- rewrite the events 
in a way that I can get some, I, I don't know, the word is closure or what it is, but, you know, you get a sense of, um, you, you get a real sense of in, enjoyment out of situations that were otherwise not enjoyable at the time. And I think that's that's actually been really good for me because um, it's about living life without regrets. Yeah. Um, did, is that, I hope I didn't Makes sense. jump too many tangents there. Perfect, perfect. So could you share with us what the diagnosis was and if what the symptoms were leading up to it and how you found yourself physically since? Yeah, well, it's 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 been such a rapid onset from the disease, which um, it I, I won't go into the full medical details, but I've got a, a stage four brain cancer, which is almost definitely, in fact, not almost, is terminal. Um, that's that's the first thing for me to to understand is that. Um, you know, there's there's no way out of this. You know, mm. this is it now. So it's about coming to terms with that. Um, how it on onset was very rapid. Like what, what, what one day I was absolute in rude health. You know, I was running the city to surf in under sixty minutes. I was doing, you know, I was doing all the stuff a, a really healthy fifty year old. You know, would would like to achieve. And, and do. Uh, I was inside a good job. I was secure and everything like that. Um, had a beautiful partner, of course, uh, which wasn't my wife back then because obviously I'm a new improved version now. So, <laughs> so we got married. Um, but, but it was so rapid, Lucy. It, it came on so fast. You know, my, 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 my ability to coordinate my hands uh, was the first one that I noticed. Um, so I would say I was laying the table for dinner. Um, you know, yes, I do lay the table for dinner. That's very impressive. Very impressive. And I even get the knife and fork on the right side. Uh, so, yeah, no stopping me. Huh? Uh, so if I make a mistake now, it's because of brain cancer. <laughs> excuses, excuses. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I blame my tools. Obviously. <laughs> a good word. So uh, all of a sudden I'd be laying the table for dinner and I'd I'd had a so I'd had a cluster of knives and forks in my hand. I I just dropped some out of the stack, and that was so unlike me to be. Um, you know, I've got a good general sort of gyroscope, and things that clumsiness has never been a problem for me. I've always had good coordination. So to start doing these funny little kind of nuanced sort of mistakes. Was, was just not like me and and i and i was doing them and i was kind of clocking myself and saying something why did i do that and every time it happened i'd say to mel look did you see that did you, did you, i dropped it. and then i'd kick a chair chair leg right i just kind of walk past it and kick it and and i'd never do that normally never do that and that's i've always had good spatial awareness and uh you know i'd say to mel mel just see that i just kick the chair leg just kick yeah. the chair so there was maybe a couple of weeks of that mm. before then the real serious stuff kicked in. Um, you know, the, the the unpalatable nausea, uh, the, the 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 real godforsaken headache that just was like someone was boring a drill into my head 
Um, you know, and that really happened over a period of, say, less than 24 hours. I went from just kicking table legs and chair legs mm. and cutlery to suddenly, you know, being on the pointy end of a of a brain tumor. So uh, there wasn't much time really to think about it. It was straight to, straight to the, uh, getting a brain scan. It was straight then once the scan results were in, there was no, there was no pass and go. Do not collect, you know, um, you know, mm. it was okay, right? Get your affairs in order. The, you know, you're in for the one well, long haul, short haul, but it, it, it happened so fast that, uh, you know, it was a real whirlwind and didn't really have much time to stop and, and think about it. it. It was, it was really, really rapid. And mm. I don't know if Mel's got anything to add there at all but you know she was obviously witnessing it and uh you know had to watch had to watch me go through it and whilst that wasn't an you know it probably was quite awful but um because Mel originally thought I had MS in the way that I was moving you know I wasn't I wasn't walking properly you know I wasn't natural in what I was doing so um but yeah then that's essentially how it how it came and then there was no choice but to operate and um yes and then it that then re- rapidly after that chemo radiotherapy had a lot of seizures after the radiotherapy so yeah it's just been back to back to back to back to back you know not the one-two punch but the full the full-on you know assault by muhammad ali you know it you know it's just been head head in a spin the whole time so and it was um i'll give philip a break <laughs> um, but um in we had a week in hospital with the surgery and then we had a couple of weeks before chemo and radiation started and it was when chemo and radiation started he started having seizures and that was just down one side and so then they got so bad that he couldn't move anymore like i couldn't handle him at home so then he was eight weeks in hospital for a six-week course of radiation and chemo lost pretty much the ability to walk to shower himself i was feeding him in hospital um it was huge he came home from hospital in a wheelchair uh had a commode to shower and we had to get you know our friends and families in to help um over the next month before it gets the strength back but when you talk about um was that improved version or the you know the real version of philip was that already starting to uncover before he got ill it probably was that but there was so many layers of bravado on top of that and What's really interesting is that we did have many a session with counselling of how do we go deeper in our relationship? And, you know, I'm always just going, how can we go deeper? And Philip's like going, I am deep. What are you talking about? I am deep. You know, this is deep as it gets. But, of course, you know, in those eight weeks and, or you know, the first week and in hospital, the first, you know, those eight weeks in hospital, um, you know the the depth that we went to the 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 un uh unplumbable depths yeah, yeah you, the layering of, of philip you know they're just taking one layer off after one layer off after another after another and there was obviously many layers to get down to the real philip and 
And then this whole last this year up until this point, um, we're past the one-year mark, which is amazing, you know, it's just incredible. Um, and, yeah, you know, it, 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 it is still an unfolding and and will continue to unfold. So was was he was he coming out of his skin before it? I would probably, I'm not sure what you'd say, Philip, probably just a little bit. But yeah, the, the diagnosis was uh, you know, that that first weekend in hospital, um, the people we spoke to, the support we had was just incredible to understand what was going on. Um, you know, not just in a physiological and, you know, medical sense, but also of course in the energetic sense and and that was just incredible and all of a sudden, you know, our lives changed and Waymo, we've got this incredibly deep, <laughs> deep relationship that yeah, um, exactly. I don't think you could have ever got without what we've been through. And, of course, people do, but but for us, yeah. It needed the physical illness to let down the guards. Crazy, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I... I have heard and just the sense from you, because obviously I haven't, I haven't known you very long at all. I've known you hours, um, even though it's been over weeks now. I've known you hours from that that meal. But I saw a a way that you interact with each other that could only really come from having been very intimate with each other on a very physical level. And I'm not talking anything about sex here. I'm talking about the connection that you have when you take all of those layers and the bravado away. It's a deep acceptance of each other for the very beings that you are as opposed to the front that we say is acceptable in the world. And Philip, you spoke about being brave enough to be yourself. You sat at that table. You had my tiara on your head. Can I say you owned it? You totally owned it. And it was that sense of, I'm going to live every moment that I have in my life as a as a footprint for what I should have lived right from the get-go and I'm not going to waste a moment. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, it's uh it's tough for me because there was, you know, there's a part of me that that, that wants to do that living of the full life and um and I, and I don't want to say this, you know, I've always, I had to learn a very good word the uh, the other day. And my mum always told me, don't use words that you either cannot spell or you don't meaning of, don't know the meaning of. So, um, hi, mum, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> hi, to you. Uh, equanimity, right? Mm. And, and my doctor actually introduced that word because we were having a conversation about you know how, how was i generally how was my state of mind after you know a year into the diagnosis and um she said oh well you know chatting to you it seems like you know you've um you've accepted it with equanimity and uh, i was i honestly just took wrote it down in my phone and said i've got to look this up i don't know what that means so i, I went and googled it and, and and i'm not saying this to show off and, and prove you know how well educated I am. I thought I went to Stanford University and uh equanimity. Oh yeah, equanimity. Yes, everybody knows that. But it basically means keeping a cool head under pressure, as I understand it. If you and that I think is probably one of those areas that I I can honestly say is pretty gold standard for me. You know, I've never been a panic pants. I've I've always sort of looked at things 
logically, probably a bit too logically, if, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I've always sort of been very calculating in my approach, probably a bit too calculating again. You know, instead of letting things sort of flow, I'm always wanting to be on the front foot and control the outcome, you know. And that goes back to my commercial sort of background where if you're going to be in a sales role, you, you know, you're taught to control the outcome. That's that's what a salesman is taught to do. That That's it, right? The, the, it's quite a very simple job. You sell something, but in order to do that, you've got to walk people through the process, and that's about control. So... For me, control happened at a very early stage in my life because I went into a commercial role very early on. People are always saying, oh, he's got the gift of the gab, this one, and he should get into sales. And that was when I was you know, in very early teenager or even, you know, as a um, preteen. Um, and so, you know, I became a product of myself, really, in many ways. And And then when I heard my doctor say the other day, you know, this equanimity word, I, you know, I, I looked it up and I was like, oh, wow, that's a really, really good summary of, of, of how I think. And um, I don't know whether it's a, um, it's a used, a word that's used a lot. Um, but I, as I say, I'd never heard, heard of it before. And, you know, I was, I was really not impressed by the word, but it was, it was a great word. And, you know, I, I'm not that I run around, you know, in the cafe and you know, running around, equanimity, equanimity, you know. Uh, I've, I've really got the got an idea of how that relates to me. So I've I've sort of had a, a lot of realizations since the the diagnosis, and it's it's been a it's been a really humbling experience to be honest, because those things that I used to take for granted, I realize now are things that you need to work on. And they're not that just there by accident. They're there because either by default or, and, and you've got them. So how do you work with them? Or what have you got that's not working for you and you need to modify? So it, it's been a real eye-opener, real awakening. And, you know, it's been a, well, they call it unfolding, don't they? Um, so I think for both me and Mel, it's been a real unfolding of our relationship and that deepness that you talk about and, and that intimacy, not, not in the carnal sense, has been an, one of the anchors that has kept us, you know, really, again, I'm just welling up a bit there, um, you know, has really kept us strong and we've had to be strong. You know, we've been through absolute hell and back. Well, we haven't actually come out of hell yet. We're still in it, but not in a not in a bad way. But just as in a, all right, this is what we got. You know, let's not just put on the stiff upper lip and say, you know, she's going to be right because it's not. You know, it's it's not going to be right. It's it, it's going to be manageable, and we'll make it manageable. But um, there's still still a lot that we have to be very very absolute about and um that's that's helped we, us a lot isn't it? i think um possibly an, another definition of equanimity is that accepting of what's happened um and i think that's probably even a better one than good with a cool head um part of it but one thing that 
you know, we go to bed with pretty much every night is, you know, it's the, you're amazing. No, you're amazing. We're all amazing. <laughs> and, you know, we, um, Philip's mobility isn't great and it hasn't, it's reduced over, over winter. Um, and so we still get out and about a little bit, not, not much, but, um, you know, we ask strangers to help us <laughs> all the time. And, you know, this is coming from, someone who who used to be very fit and active to to not and i've only seen filter philip falter once in terms of woe as me once in this last uh, you know hour or ever long it's been 15 months um and even that was he brushed that off pretty quickly to say, well, okay, yeah, I'm getting into sympathy for myself. I'm going into the victimhood, the world is me, and snapped out of that pretty quick, which was great because it's, it wasn't wasn't helpful. Wasn't a good thing. No, it wasn't a good thing. It <laughs> wasn't was a good thing to watch. Horrible. It wasn't a good thing for me to actually display. Um, but but in a general everyday sense, it's it's the you've you've you're you've lost the mobility of your body you've lost your job um you've lost the ability to drive the all the things that were just so important to him and and taken it on board with okay this is this is what's happening right here right now and i think that's that definition of yeah right thank equi- you Mel. Yeah. equanimity i felt the settlement of you and the at ease with where you are. Mm. Um, I don't feel a fight, but I also don't feel any giving up. Mm. It's almost like, right, let me see, let me see, let me see. So that there is a, um, a, a, a there is an amazingness. I mean, obviously, you are going to have the last word. Mel's mm. just going to have to accept that, you know, as you go to sleep, um, now or in the future, yours will be the last word. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad that you've uh, that. Thank you very much. Luke. I do, and I will oh, graciously, obviously, I will allow you to have the last word in this podcast as well. You will sign us out, obviously, um, because that's how it should be. There's so much joy in just allowing yourself to to be where you're at, um, allowing um, everybody else to feel what they're feeling around you. But um, just living, living, living for you and living for the all right now. Yeah, Lord, that's it. And you know, I'm not saying that because of the children that that gives me an extra motivation and focus. But there's no doubt that having you know good people around you. I know that's probably an overused cliche, but um, you know, having that solid support network around you does you know, light your fire a bit in terms of not not going into, you know, I, I don't like this um, this idea that you battle cancer, right, mm. and that you're, you're here to fight it. You know, I've never, you know, surrendered to it, which is kind of the opposite to battle, um, you know, not in, you know, in a, um, in a in a sense, but the surrendering is, the surrendering is what gives you the strength. It's allowing you to actually, take everything at, at face value and look at it and go right okay you know what have what have we got here not you know okay right so my leg doesn't work today you know i'm going to get angry with that you know i'm going to go into fight mode i'm going to do 
you know, any number of, you know, tasks to make myself stronger. You know, I've been of the view all along that it is what it is. And I can either spend my energy and time fighting it and getting angry with it, or I can surrender to it and work with it. And and I'm finding that the latter is a much more palatable option in my case. And it's and it allows Mel some space as well because she doesn't look over and see this angry man just, you know, everything, you know, is a battle for him and everything is a fight. It's that that's that's not a nice person to be around. So it, it's it, it's about how I feel, what my children see. Um, you, you know, they're already having to witness a lot. You know, the the physical attributes of their father have changed. Um, so I don't want to make anything any more difficult than it has to be for those around me that are supporting me. So the, the, there's a lot of realizations coming at me that have helped me shape my decision. So it, it doesn't feel very, it doesn't feel difficult because the, the, the obvious answers are right there in front of me. If that, if that helps. Yeah. And one thing that helped us when we were in that, uh, in that hospital for the first time and, you know, you could either get, you could either stay in the eye of the storm or you could get buffeted out in the, you know, in the hurricane part of it all. And we knew when we were in the depths of, you know, devastation and, and the tears were coming and there was a lot of emotion that that we couldn't settle and, and then understand and, and, and feel what, what was the next. So that was amazing advice then and, and we hold that still true to our yeah, hearts yeah, yeah yeah that's that absolutely that is. when you when you feel that you're, you're going out and you're getting buffeted by the storm we just go hang on we're out here we need to come back you need to walk towards the danger right that's that's sort of the lesson i've learned is that instead of just like heading for the hills because the waters are rising it's a case of no let's let's go back down there and 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 get in the water let's get up to our wasted deep water and and go out and 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 get involved here and i feel like there's a lot of me not not from a bravery point of view or courageous or anything like that but just in a okay this, this is what we've got we, we know the diagnosis is 100 right we're, we're not having to second guess the medical profession or anything like that so if that's the case um you know how do we how do we do it with integrity how do we do it with um self-respect uh, you know, there's, a, there's and and as long as you keep those key words in the center of mind, you you can actually break down a lot of the problems into manageable chunks a lot a lot more easily than than you can if you just go at it right. I've got I'm going out. I'm fighting this, and uh, you, you're losing sight of of what you're fighting in, in the end because you could just spend your whole life fighting, and and then to what doesn't change the outcome. Mm. Just makes you more unhappy all the time that you're doing it. So it does change the outcome, or maybe it does change the outcome. The yeah, <laughs> adverse. Yeah, quite right now. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know if that sort of skirt skims around the question there, Lucy, or whether you want to. No, that was just perfect. Yeah. I feel we we're, we're coming to the end. So, would you? How are you going to close your book? How would you like to close this podcast? 
and what well, would you like uh, to leave if, us with? Uh, if you like, uh, then place your thumbs up and your comments below, <laughs> and we look forward to seeing you <laughs> next week for um, Build Version 3.0. Uh, no, no, look, um, yeah, how do I want to close the book? I'm having real writer's block on how I pull the drawstring together to kind of get it all into my kit bag because... Um, not, not for a lack of everybody having putting their two belts worth in. Have you, have you written your book? Have you done this? What about this part? Well, you need to do this. You need to do that. <laughs> Settle that. Yeah, you know, the, it's asking for people's opinion when you're writing a book is a double-edged sword because, uh, you know, there's on the one hand, uh, if we've got time, I'll quickly just dive into a, a little, uh, little kind of nugget of information, but. Um, when I got into my second career in my life, which was furniture design, I used to suffer really badly from artist rejection. And um, um, just a quick summary of that, that's basically where you put all your emotion and energy and money and everything else into producing something. And people don't just stand back and go, wow, look at, look at this. Look at what this guy's done. It's incredible. People go, all right, yep, you do. Uh, it's a, you know, yeah, well, no, I, don't, I don't understand it. What, what's going on? And the, the book is a little bit like that for me as well, because, oh, you know, on the one hand here, I'm a novice book writer. I've never written more than a thousand words in my entire life, other than when I was doing my exams at school. Um, you know, I've got a grade four brain tumor, um, and I've decided to sit down and write a book. And, um, and if I give a, a sample to somebody, um, and they don't reply back, you know, within, say, a, a week or two. Already I'm like, I, uh, what am I saying? <laughs> they not like it. Well, why haven't they got back in touch? You, you know, so uh, there's a certain part of my personality that I still need to temper a little bit because I, I'm finding that, that that kind of artist rejection is still bubbles to the surface a little bit too readily, even though, you know, in contrast, the purpose of the book is to talk about those things, which is supposed to make me heal those things that I'm still suffering. You know, it's, you know, you know, you keep going round and round with it. It's a really tough one. It's so interesting. But I've become more self-aware, you know, which is the main thing. And, you know, whereas before I used to probably, um, you know, look at my own situation and look at somebody else's and, fold my arms, satisfaction, or you know, at least I'm not in that situation. You know, I've started to be more cognizant of other people's, not struggles, you know, not battles, but, you know, people's, you know, people where they are in life. And that's given me a, a whole new depth of understanding of other people's lives, uh, which can only be a good thing. You've written your last line, though. I've written my last line, right? Okay. Oh, don't give it to us now, because that could be... Uh, yes. that, 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 we won't bother buying the book. Right. Hit me, everybody. <laughs> um, I've got... I've got and I know you said that lots of people give you lots of ideas, but I've got an idea for one chapter. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to like reading this chapter. Like a chapter where you basically say, if you don't want to read this next chapter, just skip it, because what you're going to read in it, you're not going to like because in a way you need to be able to say things that you might not you know people might not like to hear but it's important for you to say because yeah. you've spoken a lot in this interview about fear and actually you know 
learning not to have fear, seeing other people be crushed by fear. And my sense is that you have an opportunity to just speak what you feel and share what you feel, even if it's just in 400 words, but 400 words that come through you with no interference of anybody else's, what someone's going to think about it or not, this is what you're going to get. This is just a paragraph from Philip. And then potentially a chapter from your girls just writing from them and a chapter from Melinda. And actually part of this is that you've got your book and they just have a little bit about you, one one letter or something in it as well. Yeah, so thank you see that. Um, that's really helpful because... Uh, you know, there's a point at which I need to make the book relevant. You know, it's not just filling is boring old stories, which, you know, obviously are amazing. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of the lessons that, that we're learning from this. And if the girls can write about their dad, because that's why I'm doing this really, mm. started out as a book that I can leave to the girls so that they can learn about their dad, right? Beautiful. That, that that was it. You know, it wasn't a kind of a, a big backpacking, big, not backpacking, although it's hard stuff. Backpacking. Backpacking sort of a story about Phil and his life. It was so that the girls could learn some more about me when I'm not here or they're not old enough to actually, you know, listen to the stories. So, you know, for them to have a contribution to it, I think would be a marvellous idea. And I'm sure Mel has, uh, has got plenty that she would like to add. So, uh, you know, maybe I don't need to find that extra 10,000 words. Maybe I'll put it out there to my audience and get them to finish it for me. Well, part of birthing and part, part of having a baby is allowing the community to support you. you know, uh, we're yeah. a family. And and part of that family is actually helping you as you birth your your yeah, baby. But you are more um, than what you necessarily see. There's so much more to you, and that could be what other people feel. Because, um, gosh, you're an amazing person, thank and you. it's been such a pleasure talking to you, Philip. No, well, thank you very much for um, agreeing to do this and having me on. It's been. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about it for the last couple of weeks. I know we had a couple of full starts on appointments, but it's been great to actually look through the questions and and give it some more, you know, some real in-depth thought uh, because at the moment uh, or before, you know, we spoke, my, my answers have changed uh, since I first read them because I've given them a bit more thought. And so it, what first came to me isn't what finally I landed on. So, you know, thank you for giving me the chance to actually go through that process as well. What this interview showed me is how humour can be a mask that we wear that hides who we truly are and how complicated it can be then to be to find ourselves again behind the mask when life calls us to be more true to the gem that we actually are and how sometimes those who love us dearly are so attuned to seeing that humorous person, that humor, that larrikin as who we are, that maybe they also don't want us to to maybe drop that facade and find what our true humor and playfulness is. Philip Hills. Can't wait to get another tiara on my head. <laughs>